What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
<sighs> All right, welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, I probably shouldn't have like listened to that live going into this episode, but man, that one just right in the gut, right in the heart, right there. Uh, that was Taylor Hawkins, and that was a recording he did back in the late 2000s, about 2009, I want to say. And that song was called Holy Man. That was a song that the late great Dennis Wilson had demoed in full in hopes of it being used on his second solo album, which never came to pass, never came out, but it did finally get a release along with the Legacy Edition version of his release solo album, Pacific Ocean Blue. I know the Pacific Ocean Blue, I remember specifically reading interviews with Taylor Hawkins talking about how big of a fan he was of that record. And I thought about that over the last few weeks, you know, of course, with Taylor Hawkins passing, obviously this is going to be a tribute show to Taylor, but back to the story, I remember him specifically talking about how much he loved that record and how much he loved Dennis Wilson. And he was a big Beach Boys fan. And much like myself, I felt a kindred spirit to Taylor, uh, you know, his massive Van Halen fandom and just fandom of rock music, great rock music in general but his love of the Beach Boys and also to, you know, try to educate the masses because I still say the Beach Boys are the most misunderstood band of all time. And Taylor got it. He knew what their best stuff was. Talked about Dennis's stuff a lot. I remember seeing those in interviews, like I said, many, many times over his life and career and me paying attention to him. So the fact that he got to go in and record a vocal that was never, ever recorded, and that song was put together with Greg Jacobson, who wrote the original lyrics along with Dennis, uh, with his music, and they put that song together based off of Jacobson's memory of even working on that song. So that's his lyrics, and Taylor gets a co-write on his version, so maybe he did add some lyrics in there. All the music's done by Dennis and some friends of his. And just yeah, the reason I play that song, I mean, starting off the show on a massively somber note, but it's a goddamn beautiful number right there. And I thought about a lot of the parallels. There's a lot of similarities and differences in the lives and careers of a Dennis Wilson and a Taylor Hawkins. Uh, both guys in a massive shadow of talent. You know, obviously Dave Grohl being already a huge rock star before the Foo Fighters were even formed. And I remember even specifically like reading, oh, the Foo Fighters have finalized their lineup finally because, you know, the first two albums are just the Dave show. And I remember like going, okay, yeah, cool, cool. I know that guy, I know that guy, good stock. And he got good guys from good bands. And then it said Taylor Hawkins of Alanis Morissette. And I was like, oh, fuck all that. <laughs> I can't stand Alanis Morissette. Still can't. And that was my first impression right there. Uh, but, you know, just finding out like that he had tons of talent that obviously being in a band like the Foo Fighters, you can contribute a little bit, but you kind of understand going in what it is. And that's no discounting of Dave Grohl, not mad at him. And they've all said over the years, we understand that we're in Dave's band and we can get our rocks off elsewhere, solo projects, side bands and whatnot. Uh, but I saw the parallels in him and Dennis Wilson. And people say both guys died too soon. If you think about like, man, I thought about this. Dennis Wilson was 39 when he died. 
if you go back and watch footage of him like in the years before his passing he looks like he's over 50 years old he's aged himself so hard he lives so hard and the fact that taylor looked like under 39 <laughs> that youthful appearance and the good looks and everything and dennis was the good looking guy in the beach boys so there's a parallel right there but just the fact that both guys definitely seem to die too soon. And on the surface, as us fans, we never really thought that anything was massively wrong with Taylor. Because he still looked like the same way that when he first showed up. Always smiling. You know, he never looked like he lived too hard. Apparently he lived decently hard. So just, just these things happen. It's very sad. He had a lot to live for. And I'm sorry that he's not with us and able to be around his family and his band. And, you know, that's an extended family for sure. Anyway, I'm rambling. But I hope you enjoyed that first song, even if you'd never heard it before. Taylor would want you, I'm guilting you, Taylor would want you to check out the best parts of the Beach Boys catalog, and especially that Dennis Wilson Pacific Ocean Blue Legacy release, which you can find that track on. The song got re-recorded a few years later for Record Store Day, and they added uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May, which was obviously huge for Taylor to be have those guys play on a track that he recorded, which wouldn't be the only time. But... Yeah, check out Pacific Ocean Blue specifically for this segment. So this is me. I'm not going to do like this massive definitive career retrospective. I'm going to do the personal journey thing. This is the stuff that I hear that I wanted to play for the Taylor Hawkins tribute show. I might even do a volume two down the road. These are the things I thought of. And also full disclosure, I have not... I'm not going to front. Everybody's acting like, oh, I've been a Coattail Riders fan for years. And maybe I have, but a lot of people probably hadn't. So I haven't dived into that catalog yet. So no Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders on this episode. We're going to play some Foo Fighters stuff. We're also going to play some Taylor Hawkins solo stuff as well. Uh, so this is just my journey and my fandom of the guy. And this is the way I feel I should pay tribute to him. So going back to the sidebar I had earlier about you know, oh yeah, fucking Alanis Morissette guy, you know, and I was, right away, I was like, ah, man. <laughs> so, the absolute number one thing that convinced me on Taylor Hawkins was the sole appearance. So, when they were promoting Color in the Shape, phenomenal album, and you listen to that album, and it's so good, it still sounds great, it is a classic damn record. And one of the highlights, of course, and one of the more popular songs you think of is My Hero. And when they were promoting this as a single, they went on The Tonight Show to play it. And I remember tuning in that night. And I would try to, I hate fucking Leno, but if the band was good, I'd tune in, you know, towards the end of the show. I, I always knew when the band was going to come on, you know. And my central standard time, it'd be like 11.15 to get ready for the band. And maybe have a tape ready. I don't think I taped that night, but I did find this appearance on YouTube the other day. And that's where I got this audio from. So it's not the best quality, but I, I want to play this clip. The clip that convinced me on Taylor Hawkins. They're playing My Hero, and the entire time I'm watching Taylor play because he's fucking killing it. He is just owning it, and I never looked back after that. Like I was like, okay, this is the guy. I understand why he has the gig. He's a power drummer. Uh, he's fun to watch. He's he's an animal, a Keith Moon, whatever you want to call it, which, you know, animal is based off of Keith Moon. But, man, it, you know, at that time, it's like, okay, you could watch short-haired Fu Manchu beard Dave Grohl, or you could watch Taylor Hawkins. And, you know, I watched Taylor the whole time, and I watched the clip again same way. I was like, God, man, this guy's killing it. So I'm playing you this specific clip from the Tonight Show appearance, 
And this was my big thumbs up moment with the great Taylor Hawkins. So here it is. The Foo Fighters on The Tonight Show, circa, what, 95, 96, something like that? This is my hero. Check it out. My hero right there, taken from The Tonight Show. It says 97 on the description, so I'm going to go with that. Why not? 1997. Yeah, that makes sense, because Nothing Left to Lose came out in 99. Okay, I I can buy that. But yeah, My Hero, that was the moment I, quote, fell in love with Taylor Hawkins. (laughs) And the, the audio quality is not the best on that, but 
Much like all talk shows, you do have to turn your guitar amps down quite a bit, but Taylor's like, I'm going to be the loudest guy up there, and he totally was, and that, that kind of makes the clip, but I do recommend you go look it up for sure and just watch it, of course. The visual is great on it as well. It's weird seeing the four-piece Foo Fighters, by the way. Like, I, I knew that was a thing for the longest time, and I got used to it, but now I'm used to, like, the six-man version, you know, so... <sighs> what are they going to do? Um, but I don't want to dwell on that too much, or if at all. Let's get to the next uh, group of songs. I'm going to do a twofer right here because it makes sense. The reason to do a twofer is because it just ties in so well, these two songs. These are B-sides that were recorded cover songs that the Foo Fighters recorded, I think around the Nothing Left to Lose era. And they got dumped out on import singles and soundtracks and stuff like that. But most importantly, not only are they cover songs, they're cover songs with the lead vocals, of course, being sung by Taylor Hawkins. Simple enough. So, yeah, let's get into it right here. We're going to kick off this twofer with a killer, killer rendition of the Cream Classic, I Feel Free. Man, the band is jamming on this. Taylor sounds great. It's uh, simple as that. So enjoy this. I'll be back in two songs. Enjoy.
All right, killer twofer right there. That was starting off with I Feel Free, which I guess it's Taylor and Dave sharing co-lead vocals right there. Because that's kind of how it originally goes anyway, so it makes sense. But that was pure Taylor on the second track right there. All the lead vocals there. Doing Pink Floyd's Have a Cigar. And that's like a classic Foo Fighters cover, much like their version of Baker Street. They definitely put their thing on it. Uh, It's so different than the original, but it it rocks so well. And man, I love that. I'm not the biggest Floyd guy, but I think even Floyd fans are like, that's a fucking great killer. And you got Brian May on lead guitar on that track as well. So just adding to, I, I said, that wasn't the only time. Holy Man was not the only time that Brian May played on a track that Taylor sang on. And I was right. There's that one right there. That one was recycled on so many things. I think it was on with the, with the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. It was on a import single. It was on the Medium Rare Covers edition. I mean, it's been used a lot because it's great, much like the Baker Street cover. So, yeah, and that just kind of puts forward the fact just once again how much of a huge fan of great classic rock Taylor was. I mean, like a lot of us are, but the fact that he was able to be a wayward son of this scene and in this era. And when you hear the music that he plays on, it makes you feel like you're back in that day. And being, being able to recreate an era like that is really hard to do. I applaud the bands that give me those old school feels, you, you know, using old boards, old tape and all that stuff. And they get so close to it. If not almost making you feel like you're still there. That's why I love bands like Haunt and Ghost and Night Flight Orchestra and stuff like that. And when Taylor, especially when he'd go out on his own and do these side bands, you know, you get the you get that feel. And there was a, a full length that he put out, kind of a one-time thing called The Birds of Satan. And I picked this one up kind of on a whim, just bought it blind, but it was Taylor. It was like, how bad could this be? It's gotta be good. So yeah, and just finding out that. You know, it's just basically a tribute to 70s rock, all facets of it. Hard rock, AOR, progressive, and kind of the title track of the album really puts that forward, that this is authentic stuff from true fans. So I had to play this one. I mean, I'm sure Taylor would put this on his top 10 of all time because uh, this is one of those cool songs that people just don't know. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. You can't play it on radio. It's too damn long, but you're going to hear it in full right here on Rock Strikes 10. So here are the Birds of Satan with the ballad of the Birds of Satan. Enjoy.
Really fun, uh, epic, if you will, off the beaten path, 
a lot of prog, a lot of everything, all the 70s influence right there on the Ballad of the Birds of Satan by the Birds of Satan. I'm pretty sure that was prior to the Coattail Rider stuff, if I'm not mistaken, just right before it, or maybe around the same time. Who the hell knows? I don't know. I don't know that timeline. Like I said, if I do a volume two, I will definitely be put some Coattail Rider stuff on there because I, I want to get into the records and really listen to them and not just make a you know, quick last minute decision just to have it on the show. There's plenty of Taylor stuff to go around and I'm sure there'll be a volume two. But getting into more personable stuff with my Taylor Hawkins fandom and just him being in the Foo Fighters and stuff like that, I finally got to see the Foo Fighters do a headline show. It took me forever to get out to go see them, but I think I might have seen them on their best possible tour for my money. And absolutely, like the personal favorite Foo Fighters record for me is In Your Honor. That thing is amazingly good. Really not talked about that much in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like it's definitely going to be getting more attention. Just the fact that it's got Taylor's first lead vocal on there. You got the first album that's all hard rock and the second album that's all more acoustic and soft rock based. But I saw that tour, man, the, the Foozer tour, Weezer and Foo Fighters. And the Weezer plays Big Me and their closer leading up to Foo Fighters. Say, get ready for the Foo Fighters. And they play Big Me. We went nuts. Because, you know, Foos don't play it anymore. It's like they're creep. But man, when they came out, the curtain came back and it's like, it felt like it was like 40 feet of like junk amps all over the place. Like just this crazy epic, you know, junkyard of amps. <laughs> and like I said, Taylor got what I call the Neil Peart cam cameras right above his head and you're watching him play and you can see all the toms and everything. And seeing this song open the show, the opening track on In Your Honor, the title track, it was one of the great experiences I've ever had going to see bands live. And I said this years before all this happened. It was just a moment. And trying to, I was being so picky. There's so many versions, live versions of In Your Honor out there looking around YouTube. There's not really a good official live album with a good sounding track of that on there. So I did my best. I wanted to try to find the one that kind of hits the most. It's never going to top the moment I had, but I wanted to play a live version of In Your Honor. So once again, I had to go on the YouTube to pull this. But hopefully you get a little bit of a sense of what I got just listening to this. So get lost in your headphones for a few minutes. Turn it up as loud as you can. Here's a live version of the Foo Fighters with In Your Honor. Yours is mine. 
Ah, yes. In your honor, Foo Fighters, never fails to give me that chill that I strive for. That, that That's the thing I'm always chasing as a music fan, is to get that full body chill and that smile and just that elated yeah. And there's nothing but yeah in that song. In your honor. Man, I, and I was going to open the show with that, but like... I just I shuffled so many songs around in the order. It just everything kind of made sense. Uh, so there it is, right in the middle of the show to kind of wake you up again. And uh, but yeah, anyway, long explanation. In your honor, live version. I think that was the Hyde Park show. So that one's readily available. That's probably why it sounds so good. But yeah, that Hyde Park show is great. I, live shows. I'm just gonna get this one out of the way because it's it's weighing on my mind ever since Taylor's passing, especially. But I wanted this for the longest time. I maybe I should make this viral or something. I'm angling to get that Foo Fighters birthday concert, whatever it was. I think it was Dave's birthday, the one at the LA Forum, and like everybody and their mom guessed it on that show. Alice, Paul Stanley, David Lee Roth, Perry Farrell, like that, and they're doing all you know. It's like a Foo Fighters greatest hit show. And then they'll take a break after a few songs and do do like a two for cover songs with the guest. I mean, and it, it's like one of the most epic rock shows ever. I'm angling to get that released with all rights cleared and all the proceeds going to like Taylor's family or something. I don't know. Something. Some sort of charity. Pick it. Make it happen. Make it a charity show. But we need a pro shot. How is that not pro shot? A pro shot, pro audio set. And like, tell me Taylor wouldn't want that out in the world. I mean, come on. It's greatness. Okay. Moving on here course you know i've been thinking about the songs that taylor is singing lead vocals on and he didn't get like a ton of lead vocals on foo fighters records but you know in, in some of these other b-sides and cover versions and stuff like that he's got the more classic rock based song and his singing style just fits certain singers and i'll talk about another one here after this one but of course you know whoever decided to cover life of illusion the joe walsh song course you gotta have taylor sing on that i mean come on no other choice but to have him on there and they did some interesting covers around this time i know a lot of these are the ones that made it to medium rare this was around the one by one sessions i know that darling nikki cover was done at the same time as this and stuff like that so just shows you how varied their taste is as far as like putting it out there with their fans of and i love that uh, but yeah man life of illusion i just listened to it the other day and i'm like i gotta put that on the show actually bump something else off there which is another reason why i should probably do a volume two at some point but yeah uh from one of the import singles from the one by one album and i believe on medium rare as well this is the foo fighters with taylor hawkins on lead vocals doing joe walsh's life of illusion
there you go life of illusion of course the joe walsh classic there covered there by the foo fighters not like a balls on foo fighters cover but there's definitely some fooisms in there it's pretty dead on to the original you know with little differences but not not as much as like baker street or have a cigar or something like that but still really really good and just to hear taylor sing on that for sure i'm just moving on here uh this one is kind of one of the gym nuggets you know kind of one of the rock strikes tenisms where i throw in like a super duper deep track in hopes of people you know getting into it a little bit more yeah, I'm not a fan of the Strange Highways record. I love the idea of it. I just don't like it as a whole record. But I like the St. Cecilia EP that came out afterwards. And I was like, okay, no, that was just a bump in the road for me. And now they're kind of back making music I like again overall. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was this song right here. And upon initial listen, I'm like, oh, that's great. That reminds me of something off of There's Nothing Left to Lose. It's a really pretty song not wimpy just a nice beautiful song and you know come to find out that rami didn't play piano on that song but taylor played the piano on this song so he does some great backing vocals as always but he's playing piano on this song just wanted to kind of highlight the diversity of his talents right here so i figured no better way to give him a piano credit on this song right here so deep cut from saint cecilia uh, just to balance out the tone here and there but yes this is iron rooster Have you ever been drunk? 
Rooster for you right there off of the Foo Fighters St. Cecilia EP. Nice little EP. Go back and check that one out. And like I said, preceding the Concrete and Gold album. Man, what an absolute instant classic that record is. I can't say enough nice things about Concrete and Gold. It was one of my favorite albums of the decade. Just right upon instant listen, I was like, not only is this one of the best albums I've ever heard ever, I mean, the production on it is top-notch. It sounds like a classic record. And, you know, I remember specifically singling out the song that Taylor sings lead vocals on. And, you know, I'm just, I'm sitting on my couch, zoning out, listening to the record, not reading any liner notes or anything about it. And come to find out that, yeah, that of course that's Taylor singing on this track, but he's not playing drums on it, and neither is Dave. Playing drums on that album is Paul McCartney. <laughs> I mean, what an absolute surreal moment that had to be for everybody involved. I mean, you could, Paul McCartney seems like one of those guys you could meet him a billion times and it's never old. But yeah, just, I, I think about like some of the outpouring of tributes I saw about Taylor, you know, after he passed away. And I said uh, to my better half, Nola, when people like Brian Wilson and McCartney and Ringo and Letterman are like weighing in on how great you were, you, you, you probably did something right in your lifetime. They just don't do that for everybody because if you're a piece of shit, they, they probably won't. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought about things like that. I think I statused about this. The Letterman tweet probably hit me the most in a sense because he talked about how Anton Figg, his longtime drummer, you know, in the in the world's most dangerous band and, and later on the CBS Orchestra, Think about how many drummers and musicians that Anton's been around his entire life and career. 
And Dave's saying that Anton always made a point to go watch Taylor play when he was on the show. I mean, that's that's really all you need to know right there. Uh, so, yeah. And I've always heard, you know, people talk about when Taylor sings. And, man, he did such a great job at, like, aping Dennis Wilson's style on Holy Man. And some people have said that he sounds like Rod Stewart when he sings. And I can hear that. But the person I always thought he sounded like uh, was Phil Linnett. I mean, man, he sounds a lot like Phil. And that was the thing that stuck out to me upon hearing this track when I first got Concrete and Gold. So without further ado, I think you're going to hear it. Now that I've said it, I've put it in your head. You're going to hear it like forever now. But yeah, this sounds just like a Thin Lizzy song. The, the classic production, you got Taylor singing it. It just sounds like an unreleased Thin Lizzy song in the best possible way. So here you go. Here's the Foo Fighters with Taylor on lead vocals and Paul McCartney on the drums. And this is Sunday Rain.
Sunday Rain, right there from the great Concrete and Gold record. What a phenomenal record. You should own it for sure. And that's just one of the many highlights on that record right there. We're up to the last song here on the show. And, you know, I talked about Letterman on the last segment. And you go and look at the history between the Foo Fighters and David Letterman. I don't know if you realize how deep it goes from them playing like, you know, his first show after his, you know, heart surgery and, you know, playing the last show he ever did and doing that whole week on the show and, you know, all these things. And then doing that big old set at the Ed Sullivan Theater uh, tied into the show. That's where this next clip is from. It's when they did the Letterman show the last time around. They put on the Beatles suits and the ties and Taylor had the, you know, Foo Fighters Beatle font on the drum head and the whole thing. Poor bastard that day, Taylor. I mean, this is a tank top and board shorts guy, especially when he's playing the drums. He's got to wear a goddamn suit and you can just see him sweating through it. <laughs> it's just he's miserable. The only one that doesn't look miserable and not sweating just like buckets is Pat Smear because Pat is a legend. But yeah, and this just kind of went into the YouTube rabbit hole I got into. You know, after Taylor's passing, I watched some clips over the next few days. And one I got to give it up for, which is not so much a showcase of Taylor, but it's a great comedy segment, is when Dave and Taylor went on Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn and did Stairway to Heaven. If you've never seen that, go watch it. (laughs) Watch the best possible HD version you can of that. It's pretty great. And it just kind of leads into, you know, when I go back and watch these clips, yeah, it's a little sad, but ultimately I smile and I enjoy them. And along with these other tributes, I think that's all you can really ask for, that you made that kind of impact on people's lives, people you never even met. And that's what Taylor did for us. So I'm happy that he was around for us. And damn it, I wish he was still around now. But, um, you know, that's life, I guess, and death. Okay, but getting way too deep. Uh, But, like I said, this is from that uh, Ed Sullivan Theater performance. Go find all the clips from that. It's super fun. And, you know, you can just see them joking around as a band, having fun. And I'm going to leave in the audio of this, of them introing the song. This was Taylor's big debut song as a lead vocalist in the Foo Fighters. That aforementioned song, From In Your Honor. This is Cold Day in the Sun. Taylor? Could, will, you, will you please sing a song? Yeah. Give me a break for two seconds. Right? This isn't going to be Octopus's Garden, but it is definitely going to be. <laughs> or with a little help from my friends or any of those other gems. But it's my version for sure. It's called Cold Day in the Sun. It goes like this. You get so lost 
Closing off the show here today and our Rock Strikes 10 tribute here to Mr. Taylor Hawkins. That was Cold Day in the Sun from the Ed Sullivan Theater live on Letterman. Uh, Go check out all those clips. They're amazing. They're free. They're out there for you to enjoy. And maybe hopefully put a smile on your face. Like I said, super cathartic for me. Kind of bail on the end of that segment, but I was just getting way too emotional. But uh, also, man, uh, once again, in the personal thing, I got to see them do that song live early on in the In Your Honor tour. We went to that Foozer tour, and man, they were like right near the encore. They they doing like Born on the Bayou and stuff like that, and just it was a good old time that night. And then they were like, "We're gonna do this song." It's the song that Taylor sings on the album. And not only did I get to see Taylor sing lead vocals, and not for nothing, I got to see Dave Grohl play drums live, which is definitely something you could brag about at some point in your lifetime, uh, depending on your age, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, and Dave had just gotten real, like that point in the show when it's like right there at the last fifth of the show and Dave was just properly drunk. And he was he, like, it's almost like he was trying to make out with Taylor and he was just like, he's on Team Rod Stewart, by the way. He's like, you sound like Rod Stewart, man. I love you. <laughs> so it was a great moment I, I got to see up there. And like I said, I got to see that song perform live. So it's a, it's a moment I will always cherish. I was definitely fortunate to be there that night. 
along with uh, all, all of my good friends that I was there with that night as well. I enjoyed it immensely. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed this tribute here to Taylor. Whether you're a fan or non-fan, I hope you dug it. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. Uh, we'll be back. I'm working on a lot of different show ideas. And the show that I had planned before this, I'm just going to do it on the next episode. It's, it's a fan request show that was done because of a purchase of a t-shirt, which if you buy a shirt, send me a DM, I will do a show request for you. Like I said, you'll hear it on the next one. I'll show more on that next episode. It's kind of a little tacky to do it on a tribute show. So let's move on here. But please, please stay tuned to my better half, Nola, with the new plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.